When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral simpler communications growing competitive market which is why i have an opportunity for you check out the break junkies on instagram at the break junkies partnered with sports card media at sports card mania 305 or sportscardmania.net find a variety of box collections with all the top brands such as panini tops prism and more for every sport they even have a large assortment of pokemon packs and funko pops Every stream has giveaways and affordable breaks when you watch The Break Junkies on Instagram. So give them a follow at The Break Junkies and inquire about their inventory today when you go to sportscardmania.net, the number one source for your collection. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. And welcome in, MD Nation, to the show as the NFL season continues to shock in all of us all. <laughs> like, this is insane. And every week we got something big to break down. And it was fortuitous that the news that just broke within the last hour were to break on this show because we're talking about the coaching changes fantasy impact anyway. I'm your host, Dan Mater. I'm joined here, Chris Dowhower. Thank you for tuning in on Belly Up TV and on the Belly Up Sports channel on Roku. If you want to comment in throughout the show, make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube and hit us up after the show. Downloads on your favorite podcast apps. You can listen to us anywhere you need to go. I'm joined here with Chris. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing well. I think, as you kind of pointed out, very ironic. We're doing a coaching impact show, and right, you know, hours before the show kind of kicks off, we're having a major impact in the sense of a coaching change. Yeah, let's hit that breaking news sounder right away. Breaking news. So Bruce Arians, if you haven't heard within the last hour, Bruce Arians is retiring from coaching. He's going to take a position in the front office. 
Todd Bowles is now going to turn around and be the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Of course, Byron Leftwich is staying there as the offensive coordinator. That's insane. Especially with Tom Brady coming back, Bruce Arians decides he wants to move on. It's just this the story is breaking. So we don't have all the details yet. It's just going to be interesting to me to find out what made Bruce Arians decide, you know, a month before the draft that he's going to retire now rather than do, doing it, you know, back in February. What do you think? What do you think the reason well, is? What was the speculation? I mean, there's definitely going to be some interesting stories coming out. I think that some of the smoke that we've heard previous was part of Tom Brady's, you know, retirement could have been about Bruce Arians and the sour in the relationship. Could this have something to do with that? Um, you know, Tom Brady kind of says, I'll come back, you know, if we kind of change what we're looking for and kind of look at different coaching. Um, so it's going to be really kind of interesting to see is there smoke behind this fire in a sense. Uh, it's a really odd move that you kind of pointed out right before the draft kind of coming up. Uh, Bruce Arians has been talking all off season about excited about getting a quarterback, no matter who it was going to be and how they're going to be not reloading, you know, not rebuilding, but reloading. So it's really kind of a weird kind of twist. Uh, maybe it's a health related something, you know, we had some concerns for Bruce Arians has you know, problems with the past with our health concerns. So maybe something to do with that, uh, but really kind of a weird thing to kind of pop out every for the show. Yeah, it is. Now from a fantasy standpoint though, it's not a change. A whole heck of a lot. At least I don't believe that it does. Uh, no, you have Byron agree. Leftwich is going to stay the offensive coordinator. He's been the play caller anyway, so nothing really changes there. Todd Bowles, he's been with Bruce Arrogance for a, a long time. He's with them in Arizona too, but he's been with this team for the last couple of years. So from a fantasy standpoint, you're not going to change too much when your quarterback is already Tom Brady. This is more just a, a breaking, interesting story than it is anything else. At this moment, I guess you agree. Well, yeah, I mean, between the, the NFC South definitely having a huge coaching change, uh, you have Sean Payton stepping away, kind of surprisingly in a lot of senses, and Nars Bruce Arians kind of following suit. Yeah. So, Matt Roll, look, as, you, as you point out, Matt Roll could be soon different reasoning, though. <laughs> <laughs> we, we will get to him, but for I want to kick this thing off with Nathaniel Hackett. He takes over as the Broncos head coach. He had been the Packers offensive coordinator. He had been the Jaguars offensive coordinator. And now he is the Denver Broncos head coach. Now, when this hiring was first made, my initial reaction was that they did this specifically to go after and bring in Aaron Rodgers. Now, that didn't wind up working out. And I thought to myself, that if they did not get Aaron Rodgers, that Daniel Hackett could wind up being a one-and-done as a head coach. Now they went out and traded for Russell Wilson pretty much immediately after Aaron Rodgers signed his deal. That's going to be off the table. Nathaniel Hackett's going to be there to stay because that Broncos team is too good to lose, too good to not make the playoffs. They're going to be in it till the end. The question is going to be from a fantasy standpoint, what does this do for Russell Wilson, Cortland Sutton, Jerry, Judy, Alberto, Javante Williams? There's a lot of fantasy pieces that a lot of people are interested in when you're talking about the Denver Broncos. My thing about Hackett, before he came to the Broncos, that his background had predominantly been being a run-balanced type of coach. Now, he didn't call the plays with Matt LaFleur in Green Bay. That was Matt LaFleur. The last time he actually called plays as an offensive coordinator was with his stint in Jacksonville, which for the most part was completely and 100% terrible. He had one good year, 
2017, where they were fifth in scoring, and they were actually first in plays run while being a predominantly run-heavy team. They did still manage to get the number one pace that particular year. If you're remembering correctly, that would be the year that Blake Bortles boggled all minds and was a top five fantasy quarterback that season. So the question I have for you, Chris, is that Nathaniel Hackett, what is he going to do? It's going to do what he did in Green Bay or what Green Bay was doing and having more of a slower type pace or because he has all of these weapons, even if he is run balanced, will he have enough of a pace for it to not matter? Well, I would think it's going to be an interesting mix. I mean, you have a guy that people are kind of assuming he's from the Sean McVay tree because, you know, you looked at Matt LaFleur. Um, you know, this guy was, as you pointed out, Jacksonville's offensive coordinator, but where he really got his sunk his teeth was back in Buffalo. He came with Doug Marone out of college in Syracuse, and they ran a spread offense, and what they were really big on was having a fast pace. This is the kind of Chip Kelly heyday, so to speak. And, you know, they were really run-oriented team, as you kind of talked about, but they were trying to get as many plays as they kind of can get off as possible. So it's going to be interesting to see was does he kind of changed his you know his mold being around this West Coast system and the Sean McVay you know branch and that's also going to be interesting with Russell Wilson Russell Wilson kind of you know we had a thumb injury last year but he had Sean Waldron as the new offensive coordinator coming from that Sean McVay you know directly from that coaching staff and there was a lot of concerns and questions about was Russell Wilson happy in the offense did he feel like he was being utilized properly so it's going to be kind of a, you know an interesting to see there's a lot of talent on this team. I'm not going to argue there's an absolute upgrade over Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater or anything else you could possibly throw out there, but it will be to remain to be seen. Will this team be, kind of still be a run-oriented team? Jonathan Williams is no bum. This team's going to be in a division where you're going to have to kind of you know control the ball somewhat to keep the other offenses off the field. So will Russell Wilson kind of you know still have the big numbers, but will it be more limited and the passing attack be more of a, a, a 50-50 balance as you're kind of pointing out? And you see more of a attack like a Raven style, for example, a couple of years ago, and the team's kind of more run-oriented offense. But Russell Wilson can still thrive in to a degree. Yeah, to me that's the question because otherwise I don't know if Russell Wilson really left a situation that was much different than what he had in Seattle. A run-balanced attack was frustrating at times. It didn't throw the ball as much as you'd want to, but the overall arcing problem was the pace. The pace was pathetic. You don't want to see the pace be pathetic again in Denver when you have all these weapons. That's going to be the question. What does Nathaniel Hackett decide to do? There's no reason in my mind, being how much of a veteran quarterback Russell Wilson is, to run a slow-paced offense. But then again, they had Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, and they did pretty well. And I wonder if he just gonna, he's going to take that with him to Denver. That's going to be my overall arcing question. There's a lot of potential to be had here, but I don't know if this is the best coaching fit for our fantasy values to be had moving forward. I think it is if they run the pace that you kind of talked about. It's really going to be interesting to see this is Green Bay kind of rub off on them, as you pointed out, the Aaron Rodgers and kind of controlling the ball and the clock as accordingly, or are they going to be more of a team that he has been historically since he's been you know, kind of chomping his teeth as an officer coordinator and a head coach and, I think you're going to see will be utilizing that running game and that fast pace because that seems to be what his MO had been. We'll, we'll have to see. We will have to see. Uh, other changes, obviously, that came with this. When you get a head coaching change, you get several all at once. Uh, you have Justin Alton. He becomes the offensive coordinator. He was the Packers' tight end coach, so he's bringing guys who are assisting him beforehand over with him. And, of course, you have Ejiro Evero, the defensive coordinator, uh, he was the defensive backs coach to the Rams. 
I actually thought that was a decent fit because you're sticking with the 3-4 defense. You're sticking with that, that defense is built to kind of do what the Rams do to begin with. So I thought that was a decent fit there to go with him uh, as their defensive coordinator. But overall, this team is just too talented on both sides of the ball where I don't think it's going to drastically matter who the coach is as far as a regular season success. But I will wonder, are they able to outcoach anybody when they get to the playoffs? I know it's not a fantasy perspective, but Chris, what do you think about the overall hiring? Yeah, I mean, I think Nathaniel Hackett was going to get a job come no matter what. He seems to be the, the wonder kid right now, the hot flavor. Um, I'm with you where I think the jury remains out. I don't know what he did in, in, in Green Bay necessarily. Maybe we'll see more this year. Or Devontae Adams being not there could also be a big part of that. Um, but you're not going to really notice what's gone. And I think that's what kind of the interesting thing with this hire is Nathaniel Hackett didn't call the plays. He was, you know, involved in the game planning. But you have a, a veteran quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. You have Matt LaFour, you know, basically you know, heavily involved in the offense. What was this guy really doing? And we're going to kind of see, is this something that he's been, you know, honing his skills per se, you know, over the last couple of years since the Jacksonville game days? Or is this something he's, you know, kind of got gift wrapped to him because Aaron Rodgers has been awesome the last two years? That is the question. That That is that is going to be the question. That's why it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, next guy up that I want to talk about is Ben freaking McAdoo. Ben freaking McAdoo. We haven't really seen him in a while. He's been he's been an offensive consultant over the past, I don't know, a couple of years here with Dallas. And I just got to go on a rant about Matt Rule real quick first. First, this guy decides, I need Sam Darnold to be my quarterback and to go ahead and, yeah, we're going to pick up that option before he even gets to prove that he has anything. So now you're stuck with him for $18 million this year. They decide that Joe Brady... And his play calling was the problem in the middle of the season. Joe Brady, you know, the guy who pretty much put Joe Burrow on the map, put, gave LSU their best offensive year ever, uh, a, a, a younger generation renovator. The guys everybody wants. The guys are becoming head coaches. Those are the Joe Brady's of the world. That's who you decide the problem is because he's not running the ball enough with, what, Tuba Hubbard? Because it wasn't Christian McCaffrey at that point. And then the offense proceeds to get worse. Now your answer is Ben freaking McAdoo, who hasn't been good at all since he was the offensive coordinator for the Giants. It was terrible. Their, or the offense was putrid as he was the head coach. They did have two good years with him as the offensive coordinator for the New York Giants. That was it. But I also want to point out those two years, the Giants are pretty talented with Eli Manning, and they had the running game there, and they had – that was the years of, you know, Plasco Burris and all those wide receivers and stuff like that. And as soon as they lost some of those guys, they're absolutely dreadful. Looking back on it here, they were, what, 2018? They were 31st in scoring his last two years combined. The guy who hasn't even, he hasn't even been on the sideline. He's been a consultant. He hasn't even been on the sideline in two years. This makes no sense. It goes to provide, in my mind, more evidence as to why Matt Roll will be fired as one of my guaranteed fires by the end of 2022. And I hate this from a fantasy perspective. First of all, it looks like Sam Darnold has to be the quarterback again because that was already the first mistake. So other than Christian McCaffrey praying that he can keep his caps together, keep his soft tissue injuries together for a season... What is there to look forward to? DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, this doesn't help them. Yeah, I mean, 
I'm not as down on on Bob McAdoo as you were, but I think that the difference for myself is I agree with you that it's not you know a thrilling hire, especially the Joe Brady thing. I mean that's just stupid, and we we kind of talked about that last year on our shows, and I I will never you know kind of forget for Matt Rule for that. It is an odd signing, you know, in a lot of ways. You kind of talked about odd hire as you talked about a lot of ways because he's been out of the league kind of in a lot. Of, he hasn't called plays, um, but I also think this is a a good old boys. The NFL has talked about how good old boys and a lot of coaches get jobs that they get. You know, these guys, these guys are kind of have a background. They're familiar with each other. Somebody he can kind of trust. So I think that's what he's going with. Now, how it's going to play out in the field, I think that's all that's going to depend 100% on the quarterback play. Um, you know, you talked about the talent on that team. I am not a big believer that Eli Manning is a super great quarterback and he was super talented. Um, I think he was good. I think he could do certain things, and I think that he was very inconsistent. Now, I'm not trying to say that Sam Darnold's going to beat Eli Manning, but I do think that he can do some similar things where if you're asking him to kind of push the ball down the field, limiting him and kind of, you know, be more of a team that can kind of use the running back and use quick passing attack, he can do those kinds of things. I don't want him to be the quarterback moving forward fantasy-wise. I think that's what matters most um, and the quarterback play. I don't necessarily think that the coaching hire is going to you know, ruin Robbie Anderson or DJ Moore's fantasy value necessarily this year. I think this team's going to be down. I think you pointed out, you know, you talk about teams that are going to play. You're playing in Atlanta. You're playing against New Orleans. You're playing against Tampa Bay. So you're going to have different defenses that you're going to have to kind of, you know, throw the ball more often against and you're not going to run over. So I do think they're going to have the receivers should be okay. The, for me, it can't get any worse than it was last year. Robbie Anderson was a debacle. Um, the, the the running back position was, you know, hit or miss. Even when Chubba Hubbard kind of got the, the opportunity, Christian McCaffrey was out. They were still trying to use Royce Freeman and throwing all kinds of other crap out there. So I hopefully, you know, this situation kind of gets better somehow, some way, even just through attrition. I guess. I guess. The only thing that was consistent about him his entire time in New York was that they were in the top 10 of passing attempts all four of those years. Now, that's not the way Carolina's constituted, but if that pattern were to play itself out, by the way, which makes it even more laughable in my well, mind, I was going to say, fire Joe Brady over that, not being able to run the ball enough. But that's the I digress. Thing, yes. I digress. It's still not going to be good because Sam Donald's your quarterback. And if, he, if we've already seen that if he gets too, you know, happy, give him too much power, give him too much control of the game, He's going to shit the bed. That's what we've seen. So that that's where I'm just totally befuddled by this. I don't think this is a good thing for anybody in Carolina involved other than they're going to be a crappy team and you're going to have garbage time and you're looking for Christian McCaffrey. Can he stay healthy? But the coaching I, hire here does not boost them in any kind of way. In fact, it probably hinders them more than anything else. I was going to say the one thing that's really odd, though, is this doesn't make you feel like they're becoming a run-oriented team moving forward, so you have to avoid the receivers necessarily. Because as you pointed out, this guy isn't has a story history of wanting to run the ball. He prefers to throw. That's why he kind of got ran out of New York. Yeah. All right. Anyway, let's move on because there'll be plenty of time to crap all over the Carolina Panthers. I am have no doubt about it this entire year. So let's move on to our next guy here, and that is going to be Matt Eberflus or more specifically for fantasy football purposes, the offensive coordinator, Luke Getze. Now, I'll, I'll quickly comment on the Matt Everflus first. Uh, congratulations, Chicago. You found a way to go back 
to John Fox. You found a way to go back to the Chuck Pagano's of the world. I don't know why. Everyone else in the league, Chris, is following suit on. If you have a young quarterback that you drafted in hopes that he could be the franchise guy, if that's your hope, most people have been going with offensive-minded head coaches. Not just for that reason, but also because the rules of today's game favor the offensive side of the ball. No longer are the days defense wins championships. That is no longer well, true. Ask, oh, hold on, let me ask you a question on that, though. Josh Allen and Justin Herbert, who are their head coaches? Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Sean McDermott, but they had Sean McDermott before they drafted Josh Allen. And okay, then Justin so then Her- how about the Chargers? Now, the Chargers are true. Brandon Staley came in there, but Herbert was already well on his way. He was already developing. we already seen that he could become a very good quarterback. We haven't seen it at Justin Fields yet. Didn't give him a chance to. And you can't tell me that the Matt Nagy of it all wasn't a complete disaster. And that somehow gives him an opportunity because it does not. It does not. So I don't think those are equate two for two right there. Most no, of the time I, you're I, heading in the other direction. That's most of the time what's happening. And I just think Chicago finds a way to keep themselves in the mud, moving absolutely nowhere whatsoever. But let's dive into the Luke Getzy of it all. Now, my initial reaction was I wanted to give Matt Eberflus some credit because I thought I thought he was going to go with one of the Eagle offensive assistants with his ties with Frank Reich or his ties with uh, Nick Serini and those guys over there. And I was worried about that because I was like, if you hire anybody over there, I'm just worried they're going to look at the success that they quote unquote had with Jalen Hurts and turn that into Justin Fields, who is infinitely a more talented passer than a Jalen Hurts is. So I was a little bit concerned about it from that standpoint. I give him a little bit of credit. He didn't go that direction. He goes with Luke Getze, but with Luke Getze, I have more questions than answers. He didn't call the plays. He was the quarterback's coach of the Green Bay Packers. Obviously, he doesn't get credit for developing Aaron Rodgers to any degree other than just you should get credit, I guess, for working with him, being a part of his mind, maybe picking up a few things from Rodgers along the way. The only guy he could have been responsible for developing was Jordan Love, and clearly nobody, including the Green Bay Packers, believes he can actually be a starting quarterback. Now, that might not necessarily be all his fault. That could be on the player. But nonetheless, it's still not looking great as far as what he brings to the table. So I just have a lot more questions than I do answers because when you look at Luke Getzey, other than, okay, he's probably going to bring over some concepts from the Matt LaFleur offense, I don't know what else to expect. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to expect necessarily offensively. What I try to remind myself, and I understand that I'm not, these aren't tires that I'm necessarily excited about, and part of the reason I was pointing out you know, the, the coaching staff that they hired, um, the uh, you know, you look at the teams that hired these defensive guys, like the Chargers, for example, they still were looking to make sure they had a, a strong offensive coordinator who's kind of still going to be very hands-on. So that, to me, this is where Chicago's key was. If you were going to hire, you know, Everfus or defensive side of the ball guy, then you needed to make sure you had a strong hire at the offensive coordinator position to kind of give that balance out to this team. 
And I don't know if that really happened. To your point, the jury definitely reigns out. We don't know what Nathaniel Hackett did, much less what the quarterback coach did in, this, in Green Bay situation. But I also want to remind myself that, you know, Sean Payton became one of the better offensive coordinators we've ever seen or head coaches as an offensive guru. And he got his teeth, cut his teeth under Bill Parcells' coaching staff. He didn't call the plays on that, on that Dallas team. He wasn't the offensive coordinator for that team, but he winds up being somebody and on our defensive head minded coach who appeared not that, you know, have anybody on his staff that really had a creative bone in their body offensively. He kind of came out of that. So you can find guys who have the good minds just being around the kind of, you know, the right players, the right people. But I don't disagree with you that on paper, when you look at it, like, who the hell are you? I don't, you know, Luke Getzi, who cares? I, I don't disagree with that, but I, I will, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that maybe he brings something. Um, what we can see fantasy wise, I think that we're going to, we're all agreement. We want to see Justin Fields be kind of that feature, the offense. And we don't want to step Matt Nagy, especially early on offense where Justin Fields, legs weren't part, weren't part of the game plan for some stupid reason. The only last time we saw him be an offensive coordinator call plays at any level was 2018 when he was the offensive coordinator for Mississippi state. That's it. That that's all. That's all Lou gets. He has as far as play calling experience. So forgive me if I don't have the utmost confidence in this hiring moving forward. Let's keep it moving here. I'll, I'll quickly mention this guy. We don't have to spend really too much time on. On the Lions, they hire Ben Johnson to be the offensive coordinator. He was their tight ends coach for the past couple of seasons. Basically, they just move on from Anthony Lynn here. But Dan Campbell had taken over the play calling the second half of the season anyway. So. I'll just give you this quick question. What are we seeing out of the Lions offense next year? Is it just an offense that's going to just pinpoint, you know, uh, uh, St. Brown, Hawkinson, Swift, you guys get the ball all the time, come hell or high water, and that's pretty much just what we do? Or will we actually see some rhyme and reason to the scheme here? I think you see some rhyme and reason, but as the players develop, you'll see the scheme develop more. And why I say that is this is, you know, some of this coaching came from New Orleans, Choke Tree, we talked about Sean Payton. And this team wants to kind of, and when they had the new coach, coach took over the play calling, want to use their playmakers and kind of feature them with their play calling. And I think he did a really good job of making sure that the different guys, who, the talent they did have on offense, were heavily involved, whether that was in the passing attack or the running attack. He, that was where he kind of simplified things. You and I are kind of a Bill Lazor fan because when we saw him, you know, throughout wherever he went, he always did a good job of making sure the key guys got the ball, that the running back who was good got the ball, the receiver who was good got the ball. Might not be able to, you know, was most creative guy. So I don't know how creative this guy is going to be. But I do have some confidence that they're pretty good at getting the guys who are supposed to be getting the ball the ball. So if they have more playmakers in this draft, I think it might be something that you kind of see if they're going to continue to kind of keep that in mind. I look at this as um, a kind of a, a, a fake hire in a sense where you're not you're not really an officer coordinator who has a background. So if I decide to kind of call plays when I decide to call plays. I have that freedom in a sense and not stepping on any toes. So I do think that there might be something more to this because Dan Campbell seemed, I think he seemed to see he had his finger on the pulse and Jared Goff played better under him. So I think he has a chance to kind of doesn't want to relinquish that totally. It's never usually an issue to get your best players the ball. I'm just, I'll, I'll put it out there that way. It's never usually an issue to do that. Uh, how many offenses make a commitment to that? I mean, we saw Ahmad St. Brown, the whole, everybody in the league knew who they're trying to get the ball to, but they used them at the backfield. They used them in different ways. I think that's one thing I give them credit for. They were able to kind of figure out ways to get their playmakers the ball. And you see something similar in New Orleans. Michael Thomas got the ball. Alvin Kamara got the ball. They figure out how to get those guys the ball. The playmakers around them, sometimes they're just kind of, you know, might be a little desired. 
but the big time guys will always kind of be heavily involved in the game plan. And I think fantasy wise, you're definitely excited about that. Let's move. Let's move to another quick mention guy. Uh, Adam, Adam Stenovich. He becomes the offensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers. He was their offensive line coach. Obviously, he's not going to be the one calling players or anything of that nature. But I do kind of wonder, he was also the run game coordinator last year. This is kind of an indication of what we probably are going to find are going to find out just because of the personnel moves made by the Green Bay Packers. Are they going to be a run first run heavy team, even with Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback? I mean, I think that's what they were kind of hoping to be two years ago or two or three years ago when Matt LaFleur first got there. Let's not forget Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur weren't like best buddies in the beginning. And a big part of that was Matt LaFleur trying to really push more for the running attack and use the running game a lot more and kind of balancing it out. Aaron Rodgers less in the passing attack. Now that kind of swayed a little bit over the MVP years. But even last year, you saw this offense kind of in key situations, especially when they didn't have an Adams or some of the weapons, they would go back to using the running backs again. And I think that's kind of how this team is kind of built. There are running backs, A.J. Dillon and um, um, I'm lost. The other running back uh, Aaron is Jones. Aaron Jones. Sorry. Aaron Jones, is, you know, they're, they're probably the most talented playmakers they have on this offense. Aaron Rodgers does a good job of utilizing them in the passing attack as well. So I think you're going to see a team is probably a short passing attack with a couple, you know, big plays down the field here or their attempts and a really ball control team. I think fantasy wise, Aaron Rodgers' days where I was one of the few people staying all standing you know, tall on him last year, I think those days are definitely behind him if this is going to be what they're going into next season with offensive playmaking-wise. Uh, yeah, look, at this point, I, I, there's nothing out there they can add. Whether they draft a guy, it doesn't really matter to me. There's nothing out there they can add that's going to make them not a run-first team in my mind, or at least not a running back heavy usage team in my mind. So for the people out there who are asking the question, you know, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, how do you evaluate these guys? I think they're both RB2s for different reasons. I think Jones is going to be the main part of the passing game. A.J. Dillon's going to get his, but both these guys are going to be so heavily involved because guess what? The offense might be coming out of Aaron Rodgers' hands moving forward. And I think this hiring while it's not super significant because he's not calling the plays, does kind of indicate to me the mindset that the Packers may be headed in. Let's get to one more before the break because another quick mention one, Texans, they bring back Lovey Smith. He finds a way back into the NFL head coach, another retread. Houston Texans once again, I believe, striking out on who they really wanted to get this offseason because, well, frankly, I don't think any of the coaches who have options – want to go there the one that surprised me and it's more fantasy relevant was that they moved on from tim kelly who i don't i don't know what he could have done any better last year to hold on to his job but they moved on from tim kelly but they hired pep hamilton so it wasn't even like they went in a different direction they hired the guy who was the passing game coordinator last year look texans are going to be a crap show the question to me is do we give pep hamilton any hope that he can continue to make sure Brandon Cooks gets featured above all else and keep him fantasy relevant. I mean, there could be some hope of Brandon Cooks still. I think Tim Kelly was probably the most talented coach on that coaching staff, and he's the one that seems to be out, so that's really odd to me. Now I will give them Davis Mills had some decent passing games, so you have to maybe give Pep Hamilton credit for that. Um, but I saw Pat Hamilton on the Colts the last time I saw him kind of actively involved in the NFL since the Stanford days. Stanford's offense definitely wasn't anything to write home about exciting-wise or creative-wise. It was definitely a run-oriented, very vanilla team with, with Andrew Luck as a quarterback, by the way. Um, and then he goes to the Colts, 
where you see them basically be the same kind of very dull offense. Chet Richardson was kind of running back in, during that situation, and the offense really didn't do anything exciting. Um, I don't know. Pep Hamilton has his reputation of being a, a, an offensive guy in some senses. I don't know what he does other than he's really going to try to run the ball a lot. So what we saw last year, even though there's a, a coaching change, quote-unquote, that idea that they're trying to establish the run as the, the team first thing, I think that's going to continue to be their MO. Um, what's scary about it is unless they add some significant talent to that backfield, I don't want to watch Rex Burkhead and, and some old geezers back there like they tried to do last year because that was pathetic. So I'm not really excited about these hirings and talk about, you know, I, I feel bad for Texans fans. I don't see any hope by this coaching hire, and I don't really see any hope Anytime I talked about with the quarterback situation, what are you going to draft this year with you training Sean Watson that these coaches are going to develop that you're really excited about? Yeah, nothing. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my, now, they won't be one and done because I don't think they can do one and done back to back after Dave Colley last year. Otherwise, I would actually think that they will. I think these guys are going to hang around and the Houston Texans are going to use their draft picks. And then once they think they have a team that's about to develop into something, we're going to see a whole new coaching staff. So say what you want about that, how that affects with the African-American problem and everything else going on. Uh, I just think that's how that thing is setting up. But we got to hit the break. When we come back on the other side, we got more coaches to talk about. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back with all of you right after this. Can I get a round of applause, everyone? Today, I'm excited to announce Manscaped launched their ultra-premium collection. Believe it or not, it's not for your private parts. I'm talking about a leveled-up hygiene routine with your favorite manly scent. This is an all-in-one skin and hair care kit for the everyday man and covers you from head to toe. Literally, Manscaped is trusted below the waist. Now trust them with the rest. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. We all know how essential that Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 is for that precise trim below the waist. Their advanced skin safe technology reduces cuts to your most delicate areas. But now you can enhance your perfect grooming routine with their ultra premium collection. This package includes Manscaped's premium deodorant, hydrating body moisturizer, body wash, and two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. Plus, a free gift, a three-pack of lip balm to keep those chappers feeling moist. So get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. One more time, that's 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. The power of attraction is now in a bottle thanks to Manscaped. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. 
so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. And welcome back, Empty Nation, to the show. You're watching us live on Belly Up TV and on the Belly Up Sports Channel on Roku. If you want to comment in during the show, subscribe to us on your YouTube channel. And check us out after the show on your favorite podcast app so you can listen to us at your convenience. I'm your host, Dan. Sorry. Shut up. I'm your host, Dan Hader. Here with Chris Dahauer, who's insistent on interrupting me while I'm trying to get through our introduction coming back. What do you want? <laughs> I was trying to bother you because I was still thinking about our topic from the, the, the we kind of with it before we break. So I was trying to get your attention. So I apologize. <laughs> we'll speak. <laughs> oh, well, I, I look at the, you know, the situation and you kind of I look at, you know, I watch Green Bay Packer games on TV and I watch Aaron Rodgers closely. Does that qualify me for any offensive coordinator positions? Because it seems as we kind of go through these lists so far, a lot of these guys worked in Green Bay because, you know, Aaron Rodgers was good. You know, they get jobs. Um, so is anybody on Jeopardy applying for a job? Are they, are they looking to get in interviews? I mean, anybody who's kind of touched Aaron Rodgers, they seem to be the offensive coordinator because – it's it's really weird. Well, it's not just Green Bay. It's also San Francisco. We'll talk about that in a little bit later in the show. We're going to get to Mike McDaniel, but it's these guys from this particular branch in this coaching tree, they're all getting jobs. All of their coordinators are getting jobs, whether it be offensive or defense. Remember, Robert Sala got a job coaching with Kyle Shanahan, too, and then they brought over their offensive coordinator from last year. Right now, that is just the wave. They want Sean McVay-related coaches. They want Matt LaFleur-related coaches. They want Kyle Shanahan related coaches. These are all the coordinators who are getting hired pretty much to be head coaches right now. That is the trend. So it'll be interesting to see to me. It's not just the Packers, but that, that is a very astute observation on your point too. Not enough to interrupt me during the introduction though. But anyway. Well, I was trying to get a job, man. I was trying to be a coordinator. <laughs> well, let's talk about one of those Sean McVay coaches who got a head coaching job. Let's talk about Kevin O'Connell. Now, I'm I'm intrigued by this one. This is one of the few ones that so far that we've talked about that I am intrigued by because I do believe it's it's a it's a an interesting situation due to the fact that you're changing the philosophy of the offense without changing the scheme. Cuz remember the Kubiak system, it comes from the Mike Shanahan system. It just has more of like the Kyle Shanahan approach where you're more emphasis on the running game. But Kevin O'Connell coming from Sean McVay has more of the emphasis on the passing game, but it's still the same scheme overall at the end of the day. We'll, so without having to change too much of how this team operates, too much of how the team personnel is already set up, I think the question becomes, with the Vikings becoming, projection-wise at least, more pass-dominant, how does it look for Kirk Cousins? How does that look for Justin Fields? Adam Thielen, maybe he's on his way out, but Adam Thielen himself, how does that work for a Dalvin Cook? Well, Justin Jefferson, I think, is going to be the, the, the receiver one, no doubt. I think that's the probably the biggest beneficiary of this, this coaching change. I um, mean, you know, people in the fantasy world have been bitching and moaning, especially over the last two years. It's clearly this guy's one of the most talented guys, but this passing attack was always lacking. Were they going to run the ball too much that week? And as a result, these receivers kind of suffer. 
I think the Kevin O'Connell signing kind of solidifies that that's not going to be the issue. This team's going to be a, a more of a pass-oriented team. Doesn't mean Dalvin Cook's not going to eat and still be a feature part of the offense. It just means he's not going to get 25, 30 carries. He might still get 25, 30 touches, and it'll just be a different way, which I think the offense was better built for. I think both biggest beneficiary of everyone is the offensive line. I think they need to be able to be utilized more in the passing attack because they're built to be kind of a quicker offensive line. And I think Kevin O'Connell has a background. You know, he played he played for Boise State back in the day. You know, came from New England. Um, when he was New England's pick, you know, a third round pick for them, he was really considered being a guy they were kind of grooming to be a coach, even as a, as a quarterback. So this guy has a mind for the game and is always kind of a very wide background of uh, opportunities to kind of bring the back to this field. And as you kind of point out, it meets the personnel really well as well. So you put all those things together. I think this might be one of the better hires and might be a sneaky way Minnesota becomes one of those top teams in that division because, as we talked about, a lot of the teams in this division have not improved, especially coaching staff-wise. Totally agree. I, I, I can already tell you right now, I'm going to have the Minnesota Vikings projected as a team that I think is going to win that division. I think they overtake the Green Bay Packers this season, Kevin O'Connell being a big reason for that. Remember, he already has history with Kirk Cousins back in 2017. He was his quarterback's coach. So he has, when he came in and said, I'm excited to work for Kirk Cousins again, I didn't think he was kidding around. When people thought Cousins was going on the move, I didn't see it happening. I thought Kevin O'Connell getting hired pretty much indicated he was going to come back for at least one more season, and then they'll figure it out from there. But I think the pace will improve. That's going to be the number one part. I completely and utterly agree with you that this offense is better suited for Dalvin Cook to be more of a weapon in space rather than smacking him up the middle 20 times a game. And I think it will be better for Dalvin Cook's value at the end of the day for him to be allowed to get more involved in the passing game as well. I am very excited about this hiring. And I, like I said, I especially like it from the standpoint of the offense philosophy changes without the scheme actually having to try and change as well. And that will give more cohesiveness, I believe, for everybody, at least from the jump. That's how I'm looking at it with the Kevin O'Connell signing. Just to throw one more thing out there, you and I have always talked about this and the importance, and then you see it fantasy-wise and just production-wise, the use of motion and the use of different guys kind of moving around as you know, in the, on where they utilize, where they line up at. And Kevin O'Connell will bring that wrinkle to this Minnesota team. It's going to be hard to kind of key on Jefferson or Thielen or Dalvin Cook because you see that kind of the Rams do a great job of that. And that's just something he has a background, like I said, also New England and Boise State as well. Let's move on to another big hiring. That would be Brian Dable. Of course, he was the Bills offensive coordinator. They've been pretty successful as an offense for the past couple of seasons, especially with Josh Allen there. Now, obviously, the Giants don't have a Josh Allen they don't have a Stephon Diggs either, but they do have some interesting weapons there on that team. What is your what was your initial reaction when they hired a Brian Dable to be the head coach for the New York? Besides the Brian Flores of it all, um, I was a little surprised in some senses. Now I wasn't surprised because that was the rumor, and there's a lot of connections to Brian Dable into New York, and that's why I, you know thought they were going to get the job. However, I was a little surprised because his background in Buffalo is he's a pass pass happy coach. Even in Alabama, where Nick Saban is notoriously kind of, you know, has the Mike Zimmer effect, we're talking about Minnesota situation. Um, Nick Saban likes to kind of, you know, bring in the offense a little bit and make it a little more conservative. Brian Gable, I mean, Brian Gable loves to throw the ball everywhere he's been when he was in New England. When everywhere he's coached, he throws the ball the majority of the time. The Giants really aren't built to throw the ball. Now, they have some receivers you kind of talked about, but they also have Daniel Jones. And maybe he gets back Danny Dimes. And people in New York are getting super excited about that. Um I think that ship has sailed, and I think if you're going to have a pass-oriented New York Giants attack, 
then that's probably very scary because Daniel Jones is not going to be able to kind of generate that offense. Um, I think Brian Dable is kind of being put in a situation where if he's going to continue to be what he has been, this is going to be a terrible fit. Yeah, I, I I don't disagree with you at all in that standpoint. He's a spread him out guy. He wants to throw the ball a ton. He third pace of play last year, second and third in points the last couple of years, always in the top five in passing attempts. That's just who he is. That's what he wants to bring to the table. And I, I agree with you. If Daniel, if you're gonna drop back Daniel Jones that amount of times, he's a turnover machine. That's what it boils down to ultimately. Now, they're kind of in a catch twenty two where it's really not too many options to get a better quarterback this year. I, they're not in a position where they're going to trade for a Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe they consider a Baker Mayfield because he's a little bit younger, but I don't know how Mayfield's different than Daniel Jones right now. And there's nobody in this draft class that makes you go, oh, yeah, that would be a good guy to move forward with. So they're kind of in a situation where you need to set up the offense and what it's going to be, but not necessarily for success this season. So and then they're going to throw that big curveball for this season, Saquon Barkley. You know, what's That's what I was just about to get to. What it comes down to is what are you going to do with Saquon? Are you going to move on from him, or do you plan on having him play out his last year, and are you going to decide if you want to keep him or not? That's what I'm more intrigued in from a fantasy standpoint than anything else right now when it comes to New York Giants, comes to Brian Dable. Now, he didn't have a guy like that in Buffalo, but – the amount of times he throws the ball, especially in the shorter part of the field, I got to think if Saquon can get out there on the field and stay with the New York Giants, he might be in line to be heavily involved in the passing attack. That part, I think, could be interesting heading into next season. I don't think this helps Kenny Galladay. He's not Stephon Diggs. It's not what he does. I don't think this is going to change his role all that much. John Ross, not John Ross, uh, the, the, uh, who am I drawing a blank on? The rookie from Florida. Oh, um, now you're making me draw a blank too. <laughs> you know, you have Shepard, you have, um, we're drawing oh, a blank no. on this guy. Yeah, we were, um, we definitely yeah. went wild for our draft last year when they took him. Anthony, well, Antonio. yeah, it was a terrible fit. It was a terrible fit because it was Jason Garrett as the offensive coordinator. Now, when they brought in Tony. Think, yes, thank you, Kadarius Tony. I don't know why you're drawing such a blank on that. Uh, Kadarius Tony, he fits what Brian Dable wants to do a little bit more. So if you're looking at this from a dynasty standpoint, I do think Kadarius is Tony. I don't know if his value drastically jumps for 2022, other than he'll be more involved. We don't know when Sterling Shepard will be back. Yes, he took a pay cut to stay with the Giants, but he might be a guy who's on the pup list. Not only does his value probably go up a little bit from what it was last year, but from a dynasty standpoint, the scheme fits him a little bit better too. So for him, the value might have ticked up a little bit more. But I'm not too confident about anybody else. Like I said, I don't think it helps Kenny Galladay. Evan Ingram's already on the move. I, I don't think they brought in uh, they brought in a tight end. It's just it's just not. I don't think this is going to be set up being great for the Giants. But I don't think it's about this year. I think when you look at this Brian Dable hiring, it's about dynasty purposes and it's about Saquon Barkley. I think that's what it's about. And th- those are things I think remain to be seen because if Saquon is going to be on the move, we believe it'll be through trade around maybe not during the NFL draft, but around the NFL draft. At least that's what I'm picking up. Yeah, just a couple comments on some of those things. So the Barkley thing I think is really key because, you know, while we're not going to be excited at how many times Saquon's going to get handed the ball, we saw that in Buffalo. We did see Singletary kind of take over that backfield 
And when they weren't kind of splitting the carries between a bunch of different guys, Singletary was very productive during a stretch. So there's no reason Saquon Barkley can't be similarly productive as well. Um, and then you talk about the receivers other than Tony. I think Tony's are a huge beneficiary, and I think it would start this season because you also talk about like Gabriel Davis. You talk about guys who are more explosive down the field. I think they're going to kind of be schemed up in a sense to be utilized. The other guy I think benefits is Shepard. Now, Shepard was really good and consistent last year. He's Daniel Jones' favorite target. So if Daniel Jones is going to throw the ball a lot, guess who's going to get the ball targeted a lot? Shepard. And well, I think we look – sorry. It's whoever's playing the slot receiver. Which I think is going to probably be Shepard more than likely. I think you look at this offense, Colt Beasley played the slot for this team. He usually has a traditional more slot receiver in his offenses. So I wouldn't be – being Shepard back makes me feel like he's going to probably be the key guy. And, and inevitably, every season Shepard starts off as guys who would be outside. And by the end of the season, he winds up being the slot receiver anyway. So I get for me, I guess it's more about when does Shepard come back? Because I don't think he starts off the season. I think he will be on the pup list. So for me, it's about when does he come back from his injury? And if Kadarius Tony winds up being the slot while Shepard is out and he's productive, I don't see him making a swap at that point on a team that you know is expected to rebuild. But I think again, that's going to come down to when is Shepard able to get on the field. I don't disagree with that. I'm just my point. Point is, Shepard might be a guy that you necessarily are targeting in you know regular scoring standard leagues. But if you're in a full point PPR league, this is going to be like a golden guy. I think in a lot of ways, like a Cole Beasley type, like I said, where he can get you those nine catches, eight catches of a high passing attack offense. That's not going to be still be, not be great offensive line protection wise. So I think you're going to see Shepard be the kind of beneficiary of all those different things. Let's talk about yeah, a quick mention guy who who replaced who replaced uh, Brian Dable in Buffalo. So Ken Dorsey, remember the old Miami U quarterback, played for San Francisco for a little while. He now becomes the offensive coordinator after being the quarterback's coach. That's what Josh Allen wanted. So the good thing from that standpoint, I guess you could say, is that he's probably not going to change up what they've been doing all that often. Now, here's the one thing that I do think is interesting. When we've seen this happen in the past, when they try to hire a guy's understudy to keep a same system in place because it has been successful, rarely is it as successful as it was with the previous play caller. Rarely does that ever happen. Now, I'm not saying it definitely won't happen with Ken Dorsey. I think some of the principles will stay the same. I think the high pace of play, I think being a pass first team, I think those things will stay in place. But can we really expect it to be as good as it was with Brian Dable? I kind of do. So here's my take on this. I think that they were going to be more efficient with Dorsey. I think Brian Dable kind of forced a lot of action where he was especially the passing attack where a lot of short passing things that Josh Allen wasn't successful. So when they're on third and sevens, Josh Allen kind of has to scramble around, make something happen, or he throws a laser beam, gets that first down. I think you're going to see this team be more of a, you know, use the running game a lot more. I think you're going to see them a little bit more um, use Josh Allen less as a rusher. So that part's going to suffer fantasy-wise as Josh Allen's rushing attempt, which you saw continue to kind of drop last year as it was. But I think overall, I think this offense actually is going to be way more efficient with Ken Dorsey. I'm actually hi- excited about this hire. I think it's a good marriage for not only the team fantasy-wise, but a great marriage for this team competitive-wise, where I think they needed to kind of reestablish who they are. Josh Allen's you know, becoming their superstar quarterback for them, but he still struggles being asked to be the guy who throws the ball like a Tom Brady does. So I think that when you kind of look at what Dorsey's going to bring, I think you're going to see a team who's more, more play action, a little more shots down the field, which I think Josh Allen still is going to still have big numbers as a result. It's maybe not as many attempts. 
Well, and when I think when you look at the the changes at the starting receiver position, that also reflects that possibility as well. You're getting more vertical threats uh, pr- flanking out in the perimeter in Buffalo too to go to go along with it. As long as they lock down and just getting rid of Zach Moss and figure out what they want to do the running back position, I think that offense in general has a chance to be a lot more efficient too. But let's get this thing moving here to the McDaniel's of it all. We have two McDaniel's back to back. We're going to talk about. So let's start off with the Josh McDaniel's. Finally, he leaves the Patriots. I guess he figured out that Bill Belichick has no interest in retiring anytime soon. So he finally takes a job. It is, for all purposes, a good job with the Raiders. And it got a heck of a lot better when they made the trade for Devontae Adams, too, on top of it. But it was already a good situation. You have a good quarterback in place. You have some weapons that a lot of other teams don't have. You have a building block of a foundation of a team. It just needs some help getting over the top. So I think this worked out to being a good spot for McDaniels my big thing was that okay well I remember what he did in Denver as soon as he got there he started getting rid of all the talent because he was a full-on blown Bill Belichick guy you're gonna run my system and my system's gonna win today a little bit of an opposite here because instead of getting rid of talent they brought in Devontae Adams they kept what they had across the board for the most part so Chris what's your initial reaction to McDaniels hiring by the Raiders and what's some fantasy things you're looking for there I'm super torn. Um, part of me feels like it'd be a fantastic hire if you get to Josh McDaniels. We've seen of a guy who can versatilize his game plan from week to week, and depending on what kind of opponent they're facing, it was he able to kind of have one of the best prolific offenses I've ever seen in my life personally when he had Tom Brady, Randy Moss, Wes Walker, Dante Solworth, and able to kind of light up the offenses. But over the last few years, um, we've kind of seen Josh McDaniels and the Patriots in general become very predictable. Um, and fantasy frustration comes with that a lot too, especially in the running back position. Um, you start having guys more and more utilize their roles, even the guys who should be good at the roles. So Harris, for example, you have a guy who's kind of Stevenson kind of threatening to take his tarries. It's like, there's nobody who actually has a clear role in the backfield. And then in receiving passing attack, if he's going to diversify kind of his passing attack, I think they can be, you know, productive. Absolutely. But it's going to be really interesting to see Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro have to share because most of their production is coming from when their quarterbacks have been locked on them and them only for the most part. So it's going to be really kind of curious to see can he kind of adapt to that. Having said all that, this also is going to be an easy transition for Derek Carr. I think he's good. Josh McDaniels is going to do a lot of things that John Gruden was doing in a sense where they kind of are going to game plan around Carr, a little short passing attack, kind of looking for matchups. Um, have more weapons and be able to actually attack those matchups, I think. But so it's going to be just Josh Martino's kind of, you know, be the guy he was and kind of be that guy, a chameleon, that where the straighter offense can attack you in so many different ways. And from week to week, you don't know what you're getting and can spread you out. They can get physical and be one of the juggernauts possibly in the NFL offensively. Or you're going to get kind of what you saw the Patriots over the last few years where it's kind of a plotting offense, very predictable. Here comes the first down, run up the middle. Second down, you know what, what personnel they have and what they're going to call. So I'm really kind of curious to see that has he shed that. So far, it's been exciting about the, the acquisitions, um, but I haven't gotten super excited yet about how they're going to be utilized. People had a lot of hope for Janu Smith last year, for example. They had a lot of hope for different guys they've signed, and nobody's really kind of taken off since you know Gronk and Hernandez and Brady and all them moved on. There hasn't been really anybody who's you know, done great or Josh McDaniels for the last four or five years now. Yeah, to speak to your point, Last two seasons, they were top 10 in running the football, and they were 
the 25th and 31st in scoring points now but of course the last two seasons they haven't had tom brady the last season they had tom brady which was 2019 they were in the top 10 in both rushing and passing very balanced attack but the pace of play that's how you get to the top 10 both those categories pace of play they were third in 2019 that's all i care about I we're going to have to figure out what's going on with the running backs. There is Kenyon Drake there along with Josh Jacobs. Don't be surprised if it does turn into a New England situation when it comes to that aspect of it, of a carousel nightmare. That remains to be seen. But what I am looking for is pace because play calling wise, scheme wise, what you see on the field, I don't think it's going to be that drastically different because Derek Carr is a, he's not Tom Brady, but that's the, the, the style of quarterback that he is. Thank you, Doug. Take the short passing attack. That's what he wants to do. McDaniels is set up. He has his Waller to be his Gronk. He has his Hunter Renfro to be his Wells Welker. The thing that you brought up, and that's going to be my question. You bring in Devontae Adams. Do you utilize him like you did a Randy Moss? And does that make you want to go up-tempo? I do think they're going to be a high-paced team. I really do because he has his weapons in place where he wants to be able to go, go, go. I think it's going to ultimately it's going to pay off. The other part of this is that I think he can't afford to be anything but that. Look at the AFC West. Look how talented that division is going to be. Look how many shootouts they possibly might be just within their own division. There's a lot of points to be scored there. You're going to have to keep up offensively, the AFC Conference in general, but especially that division. I think you're looking at a a prospect here. We talked about this a little bit with uh, Anthony Savino last week where I said, I know I wouldn't be surprised if Rodgers, who finished as the QB6 last year, and Derek Carr, who finished the QB13 last year, managed to switch completely positions in 2022. It would not shock me, and it comes down to the pace of play for a Josh McDaniels. Well, let's talk about the next McDaniel, who got hired by the Dolphins. Was the 49ers offensive coordinator. Young guy, 32 years old, I believe he is. One of the youngest coaches one of the youngest head coaches now in the NFL. Dolphins have made some pretty interesting moves, too. We got to talk about a lot last week. So I thought when they made this hire, and he his offensive coordinator that he hired uh, was Frank Smith, who was the run game coordinator for the, for the Chargers. So I thought this was looking like a complete 180 that we were about to see where the Dolphins were about to become a run-first team. You add Tyreek Hill to that mix. Now I start to question a little bit how run first you're really going to be with with Tyreek Hill and Waddle and bringing back Mike Gusecki and stuff like that. They're going to have that outside zone scheme. Maybe it winds up being more balanced than I thought it was going to be because if you look at the running back signings, Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, they kept Miles Gaskin. None of these guys are bruising are bruising guys. None of these guys are you're going to be launching you know launching yourselves onto. And thinking anybody's going to get 20 carries, maybe as a team they get 20, 25 carries, but I don't know if it's going to be much more than that. So this might be more of a spread them out, more of an attack the field offense than I thought it was going to be. But overall, I do think the scheme helps Tua. I think it's fine for Waddle. It's fine for Gusecki. The guy questions Tyree Kill because I don't think those deep balls are going to be quite there like they were before. But what do you what do you see out of Mike McDaniel? So I know that I we kind of talked about questionable guys because they don't want the tra- lack of track record. Mike McDaniel is one of those guys, and the media says the gut thing. I think this is a, a perfect hire and perfect fit for him. I think this guy is not Kyle Shanahan and bringing that run-oriented first scheme that you're kind of talking about. I, we talked about this before. This is a Sean McVay tree guy. I think you're going to see a more pass-oriented, a la what you kind of see in Cincinnati in a lot of ways. 
I think what you're seeing Miami kind of model itself after is what Cincinnati did with Joe Burrow and providing multiple weapons for their quarterback, who's not a guy who's necessarily known for his arm to attack down the field, but he has multiple easy reads where he can kind of pepper you and attack you in different ways and utilize a running gap kind of, you know, out of the backfield as a passing option as well. So when I think, look at all these different things, I think this team is absolutely going to be built around Tua. I think it's going to be more of a pass-oriented team, like the Rams have been more than, you know, 49ers would be in a sense. And I think these receivers are all going to kind of fit really well. What I'm excited about is I think Tyreek Hill might not necessarily be the bomb guy that he had been in Kansas City, but Tyreek Hill's been a great receiver and very explosive in multiple different ways. He can get screens. He can catch the five-yard crossing. He can do so many different things. And I think for him and with Tua, I think you see similar fits with the receivers he had in in, um, in Alabama. A lot of these different guys, including Plymouth Waddle, there's a lot of pieces that kind of fit a quick attack passing scheme. If I can get you one tackle, one guy misses, two guys miss, you're gone. That's what the West Coast system used to be built on. I said Jerry Rice is one of the most you know notorious guys we know of receiving the ball because those teams were known to throw the ball, and it's what you do after you catch the ball. So it's not going to be about necessarily bombs in this offense. I agree with that part. I think it's going to be a lot more yak, but I think this offense is going to be able to kind of produce that because when you mix this kind of system, uh, I look at two a lot of ways as Steve Young, and Steve Young was very successful in a very similar kind of system. I think two is going to have a great, great kind of bounce back and make people eat their words with the weapons he has in place in this Mike McDaniel hire. Well, he better, and this is his last year to be able to do it. Otherwise, if he doesn't get it done this year, they will be moving on from The key that I'm going to be looking for out of this team, do they go out and get a fullback? If they go out and get a legitimate fullback that they want to play, that'll tell you whether Mike McDaniel plans on running his Shanahan-like system or plans on running more of a Sean McVay-type system of it all. I think that's going to be the big indicator. But I want to get to one more coach before we have to call the show. We've got to go to Doug Peterson, hired by the Jacksonville Jaguars, takes over as the head coach after he's been out for a year. Obviously, nothing can be worse than Urban Meyer. Nothing. I love that we still get reports about some of the crazy, whacked-out stuff that was going on with Urban Meyer there in Jacksonville. Nothing can be worse. So from that standpoint, this has to be somewhat of an improvement. But I shake my head still going, pretty sure Doug Peterson's had zero success without Frank Reich as his play caller. And when it was left to Doug Peterson to actually game plan the offense, we were all left lacking. So what are your reactions to Doug Peterson being the head coach for Jacksonville? Well, our show kind of comes full circle because I look at Doug Peterson and you talk about Nathaniel Hackett, what he did in Jacksonville. That's what you can pray Doug Peterson possibly to do for that one year. So I really see so many parallels to those coaching guys in general. I don't know what Doug Peterson did, has done great. In Philadelphia, he kind of lost his job once they lost Frank Reich and he moved on to the Colts. Their red zone offense became pathetic. Their passing attack was nothing. Carson Wentz regressed. And when you look at this offense in general, Doug Peterson is really struggling. So Trevor Lawrence gets to replace a Meyer debacle with Doug Peterson, who basically has Carson Wentz is why he's now not there and not in Minneapolis, the other place either. Um, I think you look at this guy, and I really hope that they don't sabotage this guy's career. But I think the decisions were already made outside of that before they kept Trampolke. I think Jacksonville's offseason has been horrible. And I think as a result, they continue to be stupid. And Doug Peterson is just the latest kind of example of that. The one good thing maybe, and and I'm probably going to wind up being wrong about this, I still have hope that they realize they can still take alignment. I know that they franchise Robinson and people are kind of like, you know, they're just going to automatically keep him. 
But I remember what he did in Philadelphia. They're not going to take a left. They're not going to take a left tackle that first with this. Hear me out for a second. Hear me out for a second. I have to cut you off because we have to call the show. Uh, We're going to be back next week with the quarterbacks and tight ends guys getting into the NFL draft. Everybody, we'll see you then on Belly Up TV. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.